You're listening to the itch. My name is Casey. Hi, my name is. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> my name is Dan, and I'm Aaron. And I don't know what to do with that, but I think we're just going to keep it. That was pretty good. <laughs> that took me by surprise. <laughs> and this week we are not actually scratching the itch to improvise, but we've been forced in a position where we must. We had plans for an episode to be recorded a few days ago. Those plans fell through, and this became our only opportunity to record this week's episode. So it's a little less planned and a little more impromptu than usual. Yeah, we're typically people that like to research what we talk about before doing so, um, so that we don't sound like complete morons. Like, I I don't mind sounding like a little bit of a moron, (laughs) but I don't want to sound like a complete moron every time I talk. (laughs) I refer to us as being semi-professional. Yeah. There are people who know and speak far better than we do, and people who are uh, far worse at both of those things. We keep we keep ourselves right there in the in the middle of it yeah. all, and uh, so we have some credibility, but the expectation isn't set too high. And there you go. That's very well put. Yep, it's about as accurate <laughs> as we can make it. Maybe one day I'll be full professional, but probably not. Uh, that's. We got to be paid to, to be say, full professional. Correct. Keep buying that merch and maybe, maybe we'll be professional. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> if you buy enough resting itch face masks, then that will encourage us to be more professional. <laughs> now we're in some weird rock radio DJ qua- like quandary because that just sounds totally like something that you would hear on a rock radio station. Call to action. The call to action. Anyway, so this week's topic is actually a fairly somber one, but an interesting one. And that just comes with the time that we're recording. Uh, Like I said, our episode was supposed to be recorded earlier this week, ended up being delayed until tonight. And we are recording this on Saturday, September 11th, the 20th anniversary of the tragic uh, attacks on the U.S. And so that's something that has kind of been making the rounds all day. It is a day where people are remembering that and contemplating it and in our case since we love us some music sort of relating to how those attacks impacted the music world yeah and and it it was a difficult time for a lot of people i mean not only did we lose thousands and thousands of americans during that attack and it affected thousands of you know many more americans um it affected the whole country because this is the first attack on american soil since Pearl Harbor. Um, and it was just, you know, it was crazy because, you know, Pearl Harbor, we knew it was Japanese that did it. And we knew we had an enemy. It was a clear cut enemy at the time when we were attacked on 2001. It was a very confusing time because we didn't really have a clear cut enemy. We knew it was terrorists, obviously, but we didn't know, you know, let's just go kill these guys of this country or, or whatever. It was it wasn't like that. It was a very different type of attack and nobody knew what to make of it. And we weren't, you know, in the middle of a war, at least in that same capacity. And so it was a very shocking event. And obviously, like you said, where this is a country where that stuff doesn't particularly happen. And we're grateful for that. But when it does, it just makes it all that more, I don't know, shocking, I guess is still the word. Yeah. 
And everybody has their stories of where they were, what they remember from that day. Um, I don't know if we really want to get into that too much, but what we would, what I'd really like to talk about is that, you know, everybody, and I, I saw it all, all throughout Facebook today is that everybody wants to remember uh, how we were as a country after nine 11. And I, to an extent, I do agree with that. You know, there was lots of patriotism. They sold out of flags everywhere. Everybody mm-hmm. was pro uh, pro American, you know, and, and, and I get that. And I, I, I love that part of it. But at the same time, that also came at the cost of a huge anti Muslim movement that was just uncalled for. It wasn't like all Muslims did this to us. It was a particular group. Um, and that still goes on to this day that, you know, that, this event led to that. And it, I just think, um, you know, obviously, like I said, it's uncalled for. Yeah. The way I put it was a, there was a brief period when this nation had a deeply flawed, but still palpable sense of unity. And so, as you just mentioned, that didn't necessarily apply to literally every American, unfortunately, but it was a far stronger overall sense than we've really had any time since then. The a common enemy unites people. And unfortunately, some um, and there were ways in which America decided that anybody who, you know, looked or worshipped like the people who were the actual enemy were also the enemy, which was just not true. And that was something that we still are dealing with and have to deal with um, is that kind of stereotyping. But yeah, because it just shifts per event, you know, after right. the COVID outbreak it, that shifted towards Asian Americans. And, and yeah. just, it's unfortunate that that's how we as Americans have to think or have to unite. Um, there's other ways to unite. Like I said, I think the more patriotism, that's the, the way I would I would like to unite with my American brethren is is being all patriotism, especially like, you know, when we were at the Olympics, we could have rooted really hard for our team. and We did great, you know, things like that. Like that's. Yeah. That's where I, I want to see our patriotism come out the most is those types of events. Agreed. Uh, but the other thing that that happened after 9-11, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today uh, is just because of the times, it was a very sensitive time. A lot of people, like I said earlier, were dealing with just the how to deal with this, the coping. Um, and there was a lot of like I said, there was a lot of people that were affected by this all throughout the country. Um, I person was affected in the sense that like I was in high school, my parents were out of town at the time that this happened and they couldn't get back home because all planes were grounded for at least two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I was uh, in high school, a junior in high school at home by myself for two days after a terrorist attack and everybody in the whole country was flipping out. Um, yeah. So it's just, it, it did affect everybody. Everybody was very sensitive after the time. And so there was a list of songs that were put out that were, banned or at least not uh, urged to play these particular songs and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today <laughs> the list it says 164 songs but it doesn't include the entire catalog of rage against the machine <laughs> and what you know what's funny is like they mentioned that rage against the machine one of the reasons why they were their entire catalog was banned was just because they were anti-government anti-system yet System of a Down's catalog was not banned. <laughs> yeah, <that one> <laughs> it's true. It was just one song from them that was banned. It was Chop Suey, which didn't make any sense either. Because <laughs> if you listen to lyrics, like it has nothing to do with anything. And I don't know exactly how we're going to do this rundown of, of certain songs. But, I mean, obviously there's certain songs that 
that are on this list that are justifiable. Well, let's before we dive into all that, I think we should set it up a little bit yeah. more. Um, so we're I'm going to reference, actually, if you don't mind, I might actually just read a little bit of this. Sure. A number of music media outlets have been covering the, this and bringing it back up and posting it. I'm going to read a little bit from the Kerrang! article about it and maybe the Consequence one later, which we'll link to in the show notes so that they get their credit and clicks and whatnot. It says, for many Americans, the September 11th attacks are the most important cultural turning point in history. The tragedy in which radical Islamic terrorist group Al-Qaeda flew passenger planes into both the World Trade Center towers and the Pentagon was the deadliest terrorist attack in world history and sparked both rampant patriotism throughout the U.S. and jingoistic anti-Muslim sentiments across much of the world. It also had a dramatic effect on the arts, inspiring many musicians and artists to confront darker themes that fans were suddenly dealing with, whether they liked it or not. Right after the attacks, though, many media companies began censoring art deemed insensitive or anti-American for fear of offending or upsetting the traumatized nation. One such entity was the media corporation Clear Channel Communications, which is now known as iHeartMedia, who three days after the attack sent a memo to its 1,100 plus radio stations across the country with a list of songs that they deemed lyrically questionable and insensitive to play following the attacks. And as you guys mentioned, some of them are fairly obvious. You know, Rage is in there because Rage is a band that critiques America. And I think they just decided maybe now is not the time to be that critical. And you have a few others that are a little bit stranger and some that, you know, there's nothing intrinsically problematic about them aside from just a sensitivity to the moment. You know, like the Foo Fighters Learn to Fly is on there. Yep. And Eleven's down like. Yeah. And, and which down is a strange, very strange choice to me. And so I think, well, we also have the itch has not only touched on the topic of this particular list in the Jimmy world episode, we touched on nine 11 in last week's POD episode and way back, I think in episode one or maybe two, we had one of our first things I remember us talking about on this podcast was censorship. Yeah. Um, this was a form of mass censorship, not the kind of which you typically hear about, but um I don't know. It's I, th- I just I've always been fascinated that this happened, that you had, you know, 164, or 165, whatever songs that they were like, you know what, let's lay low on this. And and for the record, there wasn't truly consequences for DJs that ignored that and played these things. They were just very strongly suggested to not. Yeah. And as far as I recall, most of them did comply, but I could be making that up. It wasn't like I was paying super tight attention as a you know, a 18 year old or whatever. Do we know how long they went by this? Like how long, you know, it they doesn't, were kind of banned these songs. It by doesn't chance? reference it, but that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. We could... Cause I mean, I, you know, I, I, I get it. If it's just like for a month or two or something right. like that, it makes sense. Everybody's sensitive, you know, but if they were just like, no, nope, these songs are forever banned. Well, obviously they weren't. Cause we've heard a ton of right. them plenty of times since then. I, I couldn't. Yeah. In the articles that I read, I don't see an official end date per se. I want to say what happened is that they probably just piddled out over time. Like you read the room and you're like, OK, it seems like America is at a point where this would be OK again. Right. <laughs> so it probably was a number. I would guess probably a number of months, but probably not much longer than that. Well, definite congratulations needs to go out to ACDC because they have the most songs with seven. 
Well, I mean, technically, Rage Against the Machine has <laughs> oh, a lot yeah, of yeah, songs. Yeah. But that's yeah. true. That's true. Well, their entire catalog is banned. <laughs> but, yes, right. But for, ACDC. For the reason yeah. mentioned. ACDC just got banned on name alone. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> uh, there was actually some people's theory. Well, actually, if you look at the Consequence of Sounds article about it, suggests that uh, Rage Against the Machine's entire discography, four albums over 50 songs, were deemed unacceptable, apparently because the band had been critical of America and capitalism. John Lennon's Imagine was also banned because envisioning a world where we all got along was at odds with the public demand for bloody justice, <laughs> and several heavy metal songs found themselves on the wrong side of the censor, seemingly for no other reason than the suits at Clear Channel didn't like aggressive music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For example, well, some of them I could still understand. Like, they list Godsmack's Bad Religion, yeah. I get that one because if you're dealing with the Islamophobia, it's probably best. Those two words might be problematic, but like Limp Biscuits break stuff was on there. Um, but it's a song about you know having a bad day and wanting to just destroy something. I kind yeah. of get it. Uh, like, but I don't I, get that one. That's more of like a like a I, I gotta let my anger out kind right, of song. Right, right. And I, I and people were very angry. I find it funny that Alice in Chains. Uh, is mostly on there just because they're depressing songs. <laughs> <laughs> Rooster, Sea of Sorrow, Down in the Hole, of Sorrow. Them Bones. Them Bones, yeah. yep. And Rooster is famously about um, the military. The Vietnam War. The Vietnam War. And so, Absolutely. yeah. And so I see that one as well. They're, you're not wrong, though, about Alice in Chains sometimes <laughs> being depressing sounding. But yet no Nirvana songs are on here. That's true. And Nirvana songs... I mean, unfortunately, in many more cases deal with actual like self-harm and things like that. So I don't know. Like, I think that the, the ra- rationale for these is at varying degrees of credibility. Some of it really does seem to be more like you're in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing. Or that title might just be a little triggering. I don't know if then, triggering was well, a word that people used yeah. in 20 years ago, but that is the concept. The one that kind of sticks out for me, and I listened to the song just because I was curious as to why, is uh, Neil Diamond's America. <laughs> was it pro-America well, or, or it, not pro-America? It's basically just everyone's coming to America because, you know, the American dream and this, that, and the other thing. And there's one line in the song, they come by boat or by plane. So... Just for that one line, we can't be listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that's really is what you're looking at. Is just like anything that could possibly be interpreted in a way that would be problematic, they're going to presume it was. But then you got like Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, and then Everclear Santa Monica. Like that one didn't quite make any sense to me either. I mean, I guess you know I want to watch the world die. Maybe I don't. I don't. The lyrics in the the chorus. Yeah, I I have no idea. Like that one just confused me. And then the two Cat Stevens songs. Like Cat Stevens is like one of the most like folksy guys in the world. Like no fuck Cat Stevens. Don't play a shit. I don't want to hear that shit on my radio. (laughs) It's truly what I wonder sometimes. Like, well, first of all, somebody in that company had to sit down and look up or listen to, you know, all of this stuff within the first, can you imagine how bizarre that would be if like America just suffered the worst terrorist attack ever? And 
your your boss is like, all right, I need you to look at every song that any of our stations play, like rock stations play, and make sure there's nothing even remotely possibly questionable in it. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, that seems like a good use of my time right now. Like, <laughs> like that's uh, and I, I'm a little bit joking because I do understand, but it's just like what a weird position to be in to be that person or people rather probably. Well, and then like. Okay, so Red Hot Chili Peppers, Airplane, obvious choice. Under the Bridge, okay. Under the Bridge doesn't, I don't, I, I looked at that one, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, that one, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some interesting ones. I know people famously have talked about the Bengals being on yeah. there and walk like an Egyptian. Like, literally, pretty much just because it references the Middle right. East, as best I can tell. Like, it's nothing really... Like, maybe they're worried about there be some type of racism in that. But if so, like, I feel like it's, I don't know. That one is. By weird. that logic, Cakes, Comfort Eagle should be banned because it sounds like a sitar playing. Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Some of them really are so, like, awful just on the unfortunate, you know, titles. Like, Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Yeah. Or, um. Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Man, that one would just make you really contemplative. Like, I actually think that could be a good right. one to listen to at that time. Like, like let's pause and ponder this. But I know, like, Drowning Pool's Bodies was a huge song at that yeah. time. It's one I, I distinctly remember it being a favorite track of, like, my high school friends. But that one is... That one I get. That would be, like, number one on my list. Like, let's 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 lay low on this song for a while. That just doesn't doesn't work at all. Or Hey Man, Nice Shot. Hey man, nice like shot. That. That's another one. That's I mean, it's not the same exact thing, but it is about you know taking somebody out in the in the right. government. Technically, there's mm. there's a handful of songs on here that are also just like gun violence, and it's like, wait, that was that even really? I think yeah, I think that they're looking at violence in general and saying, hey, maybe not right yeah. now. Here's one for you. What do you guys think? What do you think about this one? Um, Green Day's Brain Stew. Yeah, I saw that on there. I saw that. Yeah. I don't get that one at all. That's isn't that just another one of those early Green Day songs about you know being bored and on drugs by yourself somewhere in the, in your room? I thought it was. Yeah. yeah, actually, that's pretty much it. Like that's what Green Day did at that point in their career was sing about that. But no, very very un, unusual. Some of this, um, like you mentioned, John Lennon. Um, which is another one of those where I could see that being a double-edged sword kind of thing. Like, that's a song that's in theory trying to promote unity. But at the same time, America was like, no, somebody needs to pay for doing this to us. So, I don't know. Depending on how you feel on that spectrum, I could I could get it. Yeah. And pretty much all the Beatles songs that were on, on the list, it's like, okie dokie. <laughs> Some of those would be worth pausing and looking up more. Yeah. Um, to understand a little bit more why they could have been there. I think you could come up with not necessarily to say, okay, I agree with this one being on the list, but I think with any given song in here, if you, if you did look into it a little more, you could at least try to, you could at least probably figure out, I bet this is why they put it on. And that's what I did with some of, some of the songs like Phil Collins in the air tonight. It was like, if you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. And that's basically like the only Mm. part of the song that. What about Tuesday's Gone by Skinner. Was it on a Tuesday that it happened? Um, I know it was during the week because I remember being at yeah. school. It was on a Tuesday. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. 
there are some that I, that make a ton of sense to me. So like, I look at like Alanis Morissette's ironic yeah. where there's a, there's a verse specifically about a guy getting on a plane and the plane going. Right. Down. And so like, absolutely. Or like 99 red balloons is, um, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> or corns falling away from me or a Zeppelin stairway to heaven. Like those definitely make sense. Leave it. Peter, Paul and Mary. When Peter, Paul and Mary get censored, that is, that's sad, but I, I get it. Even on a jet plane, don't know when I'll be back again is a very different meaning in the context of the immediate aftermath of 9-11 than it is in the original context of the song. So speaking of that, there's a song that came out one week, exactly one week to the day before uh, 9-11. Uh, it was a song by System of a Down. And this song, I'm not going to lie, like after 9-11 happened and I because like Toxicity was one of my favorite albums of all time still is. Uh, but the album did come out September 4th. And one of the songs on there, track four, is called Jet Pilot. And the, the fucking lyrics on this song just freaked me out after knowing what happened mm. uh, on 9-11. Because it's wired were the eyes of the horse on a jet pilot, one that smiled as he flew over the bay. Uh, my horse is a shackled old man. His remorse that he couldn't survey the skies right before they went gray. My horse Oof. is my, in my remorse flying over a great bay which the Hudson Bay, I believe, is the bay that they flew yeah. over to get to. Uh, my source is the source of all creation. Her discourse is that we don't survey the skies right before they go gray. Yeah, it's just it was just I don't I don't know what this song is about. I truly don't. But it was just really freaky because it was like I said, it came out exactly a week before 9-11. And like this is just like it was just creepy because like you imagine the terrorist is the horse. Uh, they took a, a, a plane obviously over a fucking bay to get to the buildings like it, it just it was and the, obviously when the buildings you know when the buildings came down the skies were all gray it was it's just a fucking creepy ass song to this day it still scares the shit out of me oh dude yeah there is um we've talked a lot in recent episodes about the number all these albums that have come out like since the pandemic that were recorded before it but spoke yeah in terms that really seemed appropriate to it. There is a, there is music out there that was made before nine 11. That is disturbingly like, like prophetic almost. Yeah. Um, there was this punk band that I listened to in high school called squad five. Oh, um, and they had an album called bombs over Broadway that came out in 2000. The cover of that album is planes flying towards the two towers. And that is bizarre that that these things... And I get that the two towers are an iconic piece of American imagery. And so it's not like it's impossible that that could happen. Uh, obviously, it was not impossible that it could happen or that somebody artistically would consider that happening. But it's so it still is very disturbing that it did. And I believe they ended up changing that album cover and probably in good taste um, for that reason after the attacks. There, there was a lot of stuff that kind of changed because of the attacks. I remember specifically, I was huge into comic books, still am obviously, uh, and, mm -hmm. and superheroes and stuff like that. And I remember Spider-Man had a movie poster that they had to change. And this was the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Um, and they had to change the movie poster because it was him with a, in between the webs in between the two towers yeah. and yep. like that, you know, and then on the flip side of that, after the movie was released, 
everybody couldn't get enough of that stupid fucking song hero that came <laughs> off of that soundtrack because you know it was, it was the whole lyrics is we need a hero to save us you know blah blah yeah. blah uh and I, th- I felt like that song got killed way overkilled because it just the timing of it was right when everybody was like oh we need a hero we're clamoring yeah <laughs> And then on the flip side of that, you have Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World. Yeah. What? 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 Like, <laughs> these are the ones where I'm like, I, I, I want to listen to these songs right now. Or Mother by like, Pink rem- Floyd. Yeah. Mm. By that logic, Wish You Were Here should be on the list. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Queen's uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, I killed a man. Duh. Yeah. Well, like, why is that one not on the list? But Killer Queen is. Yeah. Another one bites the dust. Will... Kind of makes sense. Yeah, that one makes sense. But yeah, Killer Queen, like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Soundgarden is on here very justifiably for for the three song titles alone. We have Black Hole Sun, Blow Up the Outside World and Fell on Black Days. And even going back to the Al- to the Alice in Chains thing, like. Those songs aren't terribly happy to begin with. Um, and those titles definitely alone are if in a very hypersensitive time. I totally understand why those were there. And I mentioned last week also P.O.D.'s Boom and some of those tracks. Mm-hmm. That that one is literally removed from, you know, it's put on the list for a, a sound effect for an onomatopoeia. Like literally the boom part is it the lyrics have nothing at all to do with anything going on in there and so that's that's just a bummer for them to be honest right one song i couldn't believe was on the list because it's more informative than it is uh you know instructive or destructive which would be three doors down duck and run like you, you know that's informative you need to know to duck and run and when to duck and run sure that that was that was that was banned like i i don't i don't get that one either yeah there's yeah <laughs> like i said they called them lyrically questionable which which like the, the term is is triggering there's a lot of things in there that obviously the song has nothing at all to do with it or, or it's certainly not endorsing that kind of violence or anything like that but but there's something in there that just maybe not in the best taste for the grieving period that the entire country was trying to go through right then yeah i, I get it now that I look up the lyrics to Mother, I guess it makes sense because the first light lyric is Mother, do you think they'll drop the bomb? Oh, I was looking up Chop Suey after you mentioned System of a Down being on there. And I, I think it has to be Self-Righteous Suicide that got yeah. that one on the list, that which is sense. exactly what the yeah. what the terrorist attacks were. Yeah. And so, yeah, again, also also on toxicity, also on toxicity that came out a week before. Like, I'm telling you, it's just a creepy album. Yeah, I love the fucking album, but it's fucking creepy. (laughs) You know, if this had happened a few years later, that that BYOB would have been on that list. Probably at that point, all of system would have been given the rage treatment on the ban list. And and at that point, I think that most of system of a down would have been on there just like rage because they are a critical of America type of band. And this was neither the time nor the place for that criticism, I think. Well, I think they kind of were lucky that they hadn't hit the level of stardom that Rage was at at the yeah. time because they had only had the one album prior to Toxicity coming out. And Toxicity was really the album that catapulted them into stardom. Um, and that was, like I said, released a week before this happened. That's true. 
they were in some ways sort of a successor to Rage because Rage's last album had just come out right before Systems Breakthrough did. That was such a fucking great time in music. Like, obviously not for the events after 9-11, but just in music in general in, in the early 90s, late 90s, early 2000s was just awesome. I mean, it's it's <laughs> still good, but there's just some bands that I just don't ever think they'll be recreated like they were back then. Yeah. It is true. I think every every person... I think it's a, a common thread for most people that the stuff that you were listening to in about high school is the stuff that you're going to be the most fond of forever. <laughs> I, I agree with that statement. Actually. <laughs> I, I truly agree with that statement. Like I really do. Cause I totally agree. I'm discovering good bands and new music all the time now. And especially since starting this podcast, I've discovered way more good rock music than I had in multiple years before that. But like, you know, on an emotional, like deep personal level, you know, I'm still a sucker for that stuff from from this time. Yeah, period. Right. Yeah. Because it was just at a very formative time in life. Yeah, I agree. So that's which I'm happy to take this sidebar. Actually, I think that we have set our piece on yeah. that. I'd roll it right into science. So speaking of which, that's a great idea. <laughs> Dan has a great idea. You know, we spend a few minutes here on the a little more somber tone and discussing music and how it related to the attacks of 9-11. So, but we have something that has also recently occurred, totally unrelated to any of this. But we figured after a discussion of one of the darkest days in American history, we should try to end on a jollier note. And so with that said, this past week, September 9th, also marked the 24th anniversary of Incubus album Science. Now, 24 years is a weird anniversary, and it is, you know, when we do anniversary shows, we tend to do them in multiples of five because it just feels right. But uh, our friends from Patio Slave made a post on Instagram about Incubus and this album, and they laid out what the album supposedly stands for, because science is an acronym. There's a period between each one. And I know Dan knows that one or at least looked it up moment before we were started recording casey are you aware of the definition of science the, the sort of definition of science yes according to wikipedia it's sailing catamarans is every nautical captain's ecstasy yes <laughs> which is wonderful and absurd and what had happened was patio slave posted this uh nate thought that that's what it stood for as well and so did we and anybody else who read Wikipedia, because it's the most commonly accepted definition. However, in that thread, they were corrected, corrected, quote, by a guy named Dirk Lance, who, who gave an alternate definition for what science stood for and, 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 and ended his, def- his description with, so says a little bird. And... For those not in the know, Dirk Lance was the bassist of Incubus at the time of the recording of the album Science. So all that fantastic, <laughs> like, funk, jazz, metal, bass action that you hear going on there, that's his work. And it's splendid. So we thought it would be kind of fun to make a game out of this and be like, you know what? Maybe science stands for a lot of things. And we'll come back to what Dirk said, but I wanted to share the definitions that we got for putting this on Twitter before we get to Dirk. And if you guys have any. I made one up earlier today, so feel free to make one up while we're doing this. I found a a couple, actually. I altered one. 
You found or you you? Oh, I found them. You invented. I found a, I found a couple. I did not invent anything. I'm not that smart. I say, why do you guys keep using the word found? Like, because <laughs> I found them. On, I didn't. On the internet. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna go. Like, I didn't I, come up with this shit. I'm not that clever. I, I, I want. I, you, I, I want you guys to have a have an opportunity to be clever. You know. Well, I did. I did use the acronym generator and tried Ooh. to create one. Okay. Um. Should we do that first or the Twitter? The Twitter. I want to hear what people say. All right. We'll start with Twitter. People are funny. So we, we put it on Twitter. We said all answers are correct. Uh, Patio Slave replied, letting us know that they may or may not have been corrected by Dirk Lance. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we'll, again, we'll get back to that at the end. Even though I'm pretty sure he's still just playing, he does have the most authority in the matter. All right. So our friends, uh, our friend Lauren from the Beard Owl podcast, which of note, in case you didn't listen to the shortcut from last week, Casey and I's episode on Beard Owl talking about Alapalooza is out now on her feed. So go look up Beard Owl, B-E-E-R apostrophe D. And that's a quality podcast that you'll enjoy. Anyway, she says, sometimes cookies include every nice chocolate element and, <laughs> and a graphic that's of a the cookie one. monster. Nice. That's a good one. I don't think that's what the album stands for, but I fully agree with the sentiment. Cookies with all the chocolate elements are the best kind. <laughs> that's kind of along the lines of one that I was just kind of generating over and over until I thought it sort of made sense. Okay, tell us your one you generated. <laughs> Strength checking, infatuation, entitled nonsense, change execution. That's very interesting. I heard the word nonsense in there, and that's the one that stuck with me. Because I think yeah. it describes the rest of it. <laughs> I'm trying to figure yes. out what that could mean. <laughs> and then I altered one that comes up with this particular episode. <laughs> mm. Super crazy, idiotic, effortless, nothing crap episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, if, if we hadn't we'll just talked about 9-11 before this, I would 100% title this episode that exact thing. <laughs> <laughs> now you put me in a pro put me in a situation and i can't do that but because yes. this is not a nothing crap episode but it would be if it were just all about incubus and science and yes. us having fun with the name correct <laughs> and then uh, here, the, the the last one that i got here is uh stupid class i even never care ever <laughs> i never even care ever <laughs> all right that's the written by a college student um <laughs> All right, let me let me throw in a Twitter one to mix it up here a little bit. Our friends from Playlist Wars, who you will be hearing us on again very soon as well, uh, stated, surely curmudgeons in every new city emerge. And I think that that's also a true statement. All right. <laughs> we also got one from X Radio X, our Twitter friends there. And this one, you're going to have to forgive me because I don't know how to pronounce this dude's name. It's the name of um <laughs> it's the name of an actor he's a notable actor you've seen him in things but i i, I don't know how to pronounce his name so we're just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna do my best he said songs can influence everyone semicolon not shuatel is your four <laughs> to which i decided that would be better if it were a quote so the quote is songs can influence everyone and it's attributed to not shuatel is your four Okay. So there's one for you. Yeah, he's actually in the new uh, Matrix movie. 
there we go. I told you he's a famous dude, and I feel bad for not for not knowing his name very well. But I just I just don't. It's where I'm at right now. I, yeah, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce it either. Because wasn't that the guy who played Black Manta? Shuatel Ejio Four. I think I have it right per Wikipedia, yeah. or close to right anyway. So please don't be offended, sir. I really did try. <laughs> <laughs> we are big fans. That is we're for big sure. fans. Here's my favorite in terms of actually defining the incubus science album uh space castle which is another podcast space (laughs) castle pod followed us and on twitter they said some cool inventive energetic 90s compositions enjoyed nice nice and i'm like that does describe this album so thank you to our podcast friends who chimed in with some definitions for for science and uh casey did you have any more from your I found one that's eerily similar to that one, actually. Okay. Super cool inventions encourage new commercial enterprises. Wow, I like that one. Uh, that sounds like one that I bet Incubus would would sign off on and and say, yeah, that's a slogan. That's probably what it means. Yeah. Uh, I found two that I like. I okay. have social chronology includes everyone: Neanderthals, cannibals, everyone. <laughs> He just really reinforced that one. Yeah. <laughs> Cannibals and Neanderthals. In case you thought they weren't included in this, they yes, are. That's right. They're there too. Uh, and my favorite <laughs> that I found is smoke cannabis. It exists naturally. Credit Earth. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. The credit All Earth. Right. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, it exists Earth. naturally. Credit Earth. <laughs> uh i got i got you one made more. a psa out of that one that was, <laughs> that's a whole psa i got one more some cocksucking idiot ended nice calm evenings wow well that took a twist right there we were keeping it nice and pg i don't even know if i had to put the explicit tag on this episode <laughs> And then you send in, yeah, to say one of George Carlin's seven words. <laughs> Someone can't imagine enough nonsensical conundrums. Exactly. That's a good one. I, I appreciate that. All right. Can yeah. I give you guys the one I made up? Because this is the most obscure reference, but somehow it just popped into my head while I was walking the dog before the show. <laughs> All right. All right. You guys are going to think it's bizarre, but that's okay. Because I am who I am. And this happened. So (laughs) my science acronym is Scott Cooper, in essence, never could evolve. Do you guys even know who Scott Cooper is? No. Scott Cooper was a baseball player who graduated from Pattonville High School in Maryland Heights, Missouri, which is where I which is where I went to school for all but three years of my education in the Pattonville district. He ended up making it to the Cardinals late in his career i believe and he was always one of those guys who people had high hopes for and expectations and he just underwhelmed at that level so he was a disappointment and so when i was thinking of sc i was like what's a name that i know that is an s and a c and somehow it went back to scott cooper cardinal third baseman from the 90s so there you go so that was who came out of your high school that was the guy that came out of my high school oh man we had a no name pitcher who won a world series come out of our high school came by the name of Mark Burley. 
Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he was a senior when we were freshmen, actually. It was pretty insane, like, yeah. hearing about this pitcher who was going to go to the majors right, right out of high school. It was pretty insane. I told you guys a recent event in my life involving Mark Burley, right? No. No? No. No. Okay. So, uh, awesome, awesome event number one involving Mark Burley. We're doing all kinds of sidetracks right now, but that's sidetracks. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad and my brother and I, oh, a little over a decade ago, decided that we wanted to try to see every major league baseball stadium. And the first one we decided to go to, since we had already done, you know, Cardinals plenty, we went to see the White Sox in 2009, random White Sox game. Mark Burley is pitching first game in our journey. Mark Burley pitches a perfect game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And we were there live for that. And it was amazing. And I was like, well, now we have to complete this journey because clearly this is a sign. And and so that was, that was wonderful. Fast forward to, I don't know, uh, two weeks ago, something like that. My parents go out to dinner with a couple of friends from their church. And they're like, Oh, also, Mark Burley's parents are here with us, too. And we're talking about baseball. And I'm like, what in the world life do you guys live that no one's been telling me about that you're out here having dinner with baseball stars, folks, and talking all about Mark Burley? So (laughs) that was weird. And I share in your pride. I didn't go to his school, but he has had a recurring cameo role in my life. And I. And he's awesome. So <laughs> and for those that don't know, is a major league baseball pitcher that came out of uh, Francis Howe North High School. And he uh, actually went on to be a major leaguer for the White Sox and won a World Series for the 2005 team. He's a White Sox legend. They adore him and Paul Konerko pretty much got them through not only that World yeah. Series, but the rough time surrounding that World Series for over a decade. Well, and there was so many times that like the Cardinals wanted him, the fans wanted him to be here, but it just didn't work out. And the White Sox knew that they they weren't going to let him go. They knew they had a great yeah. pitcher on their hands. Yep, he's he is at least a borderline Hall of Famer. He may make it. He only recently became eligible. So yep. the excellent sidetrack into Mark Burley right there. Should do you guys have any more, or should we go ahead and go into what Dirk had to say about this? I want to know what Dirk had to say. I'm really curious still. All right. Who, by the way. I just want to men- make, make mention real quick. Uh, I love Incubus when Dirk was a part of it. Like, I think that this band Absolutely. has been crap since he left. Oh, um, yeah. just to just my opinion. <laughs> I've really not been a huge fan because he, he left after Make Yourself. And and I, I mean, Morning View is OK, but it's been a steady downhill climb ever since he left their band. My opinion. He definitely brought the uh, heaviest. The funk. The funk. He was Loved actually it. on. He was actually on Morning View. I think he left after that one. Probably because he was bored to tears during that album. <laughs> oh, I loved Morning View. That was to me where they, that was their last fantastic album to me. That was but it wasn't, it life. wasn't a bass heavy album. Like he had no, this bass, no. he had to be bored. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. yeah, he got. That's why he was like, peace guys, I'm out. Yeah, and that's certainly <laughs> possible. I don't know. <laughs> he definitely was more heavily featured on uh, Make Yourself and then definitely more heavily featured on Science. Yeah, I do not disagree at all there. That is Fungus Among Us, the best of them. I don't even think Incubus likes Fungus Among Us, to be honest. I'm pretty (laughs) sure they like pseudo like disavowed that album. They're like, nah, we pretty much start at science. (laughs) Oh, man. Fungus Among Us is a pretty damn good album, too. 
Yeah. Uh, I get in on the science. That's that's my jam. It's not an Incubus album, but it's definitely a damn good funk album. Defuncus Among Us. They were so weird. Just, <laughs> just so goofy at that point. Still are. Yes, they are. They're, they're still pretty spacey, but it is different than, than this. Hold on, I'm trying to figure out Dirk. How he what did up. he say? Come on. <laughs> on the edge of my fucking seat here. Take forever. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's so, you know, all that nonsense happens on Instagram. Dirk Lance pops in on Patio Slay's post. He goes, Southern California's Incubus enters Nevada carrying equipment. Oh. <laughs> so says a little bird. <laughs> and. All right, then. Right. So here's my favorite thing about this, because what this implies, uh, Patio Slave hashtagged Dirk Lance, among other many millions of hashtags in that post. <laughs> I love that Dirk Lance is like, hold up, somebody talking about me. I got to <laughs> check this out. Eh, let's throw in a little science definition for these guys and have some fun here. <laughs> oh, man. It's great. He's doing. It's believable. Yeah. I don't want to steal Patio Slave's thunder. But Dirk, if you for some reason happen to hear this and want to talk about science, we are all in, one hundred percent in. Yes, huge fan. Would love to. Would love to talk. We'll have to hashtag him in the episode. Actually, we'll probably have to like share that episode with Patio Slave because I like <laughs> like or at least give them a finder's fee. Like, sorry for stealing your your bit. But hey, Dirk, do you want to be interviewed by six guys? Six yeah. guys at the same time. <laughs> it won't be a problem at all. We get one question each, and then we have to leave the the, the room. <laughs> It's a panel. It won't be a problem at all. You're going to get grilled by a panel about why you <laughs> left the band and things you probably answered 20 years ago. <laughs> Not a panel that we're interviewing, a panel of interviewers. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Casey, what was the one about a crap episode <laughs> that you just that you said? Do you have that still? Oh, Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Okay. Give me a second. Super crazy, idiotic, effortless, nothing crap episode. Oh, man, I so want to title this that because we just went on so many bizarre tangents in the middle of this thing. <laughs> I promise that next week the itch will be back with something um, more formulated and less like bipolar because this thing just literally went from uh, the worst day in America's history to uh, let's make up acronyms. acronyms. <laughs> like just what a <laughs> what a weird thing we just did. Now we've talked so long that we've got a full length episode and we figured it was going to be a short one. Yeah, but that's all fine. We will be back. We do have at least one interview lined up in the very near future, as well as a uh, guest will be joining us in one of our upcoming episodes at, or possibly multiple upcoming episodes. We've got a handful of ideas that we're, we're pretty excited about. And as long as concerts are still a thing, we will have some uh, reviews of some shows and some, some things to discuss about the experience of being out there hearing live music again. So we are excited about what's coming up. This week just got thrown off the rails a little bit, but we hope it was still enjoyable for you. Yeah, so thank you very much for listening to the Itch Podcast. My name is Dan. I'm KC. And I'm Aaron. And until next time, rock on. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend about the show. We've got plenty of links in the show notes to continue the conversation, including the episode's playlist. And you can interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, or through Gmail and itchrocks.com, all at itchrocks, I-T-C-H-R-O-C-K-S. Defungus among us.